show with another edition of the Stampede Wrestling Show. It's TLD. Yeah. Four times tag team champion. I'm Cully. I'm cute. I'm a champion. Gentlemen, welcome to the recap show for WWE SummerSlam. This is PWP Radio, and we are ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com, bringing you recap shows every single wrestling pay-per-view that we have. And I am dying to talk about tonight's SummerSlam event, where Brock Lesnar has become the brand new WWE World Champion. But if you would like to bring in your calls. You want to talk about what happened this evening. Call in at 760-888-5749 or use the hashtag PWP Radio. But let's bring in my always co-host for these shows, and I'm always glad to hear his opinions, Bruce Hart. Bruce, thank you for coming on to the show this evening. Ready to talk to the SummerSlam. Well, I, uh, I was uh, kind of blown away. I was... I thought it was a hell of a show, you know, all things considered. And uh, that may be the first time in history, certainly the first time I could remember that there was three major title switches on the same show without any uh, swerves or anything like that. So uh, certainly a departure from uh, normal WWE uh, format, you know. So overall, I I was pretty... I was impressed. It's such an important show tonight for them. Yeah, first, yeah. So I, 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 uh, I, I was generally uh, two thumbs up for uh, for the show. You know, there's a few uh, few things that obviously could have been done better, but uh, overall, uh, you know, certainly, uh, I can't recall a time when you've seen the Intercontinental. Titles changed the women's title and uh, the, the uh, world belt, you know. So uh, certainly, uh, I give them credit for uh, you know having some finishes in the middle and uh, you know seem, seeming to uh, cut to the chase as far as uh, what they were uh, doing, you know. So, what were your impressions, yeah. Will? I was very, very entertained by the show. I think the right people that won matches were the right people that should win the matches. I think that overall the night was fun to watch. The crowd in L.A. was really into it, and it's always good when a crowd is really digging the show because then it makes you just enjoy it even more. Uh, Every match had a purpose on the show too, which sometimes you see matches thrown in there without any build. Uh, but this match, but every match I think on the card had a purpose to being on there, and it delivered. Every match I could honestly say either delivered or went over my expectations. Yeah, I was I was pleased that for a change they didn't have any needless, frivolous, throwaway garbage like the uh, the dwarfs and the uh, Damian Sandow coming out as uh, a Martian or some damn thing. You know, there was no. Uh, needless uh, comic relief you know all too often they seem to interject some uh, contrived charade with El Burrito or you know some, something like that you know uh, the great Kelly making a cameo appearance or uh, you know some such thing but overall it was it was good even, even the um, you know, I was sort of apprehensive about Stephanie and uh, Brie Bella, you know, given the uh, mm-hmm. all the uh, potential for disaster <laughs> there. And, uh, you yeah. know, um, I, th- I thought they actually had, a, you know, as good a match as could be expected, you know. And, um, you know, it was, it was kind of an interesting turn. You know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but with, uh, Nikki Bella doing the uh, the double cross or whatever, you know, and uh, kind of caught, you know, I, I, was, I was surprised, and and that's good, you know. I I, I like it when they do something something that uh, you don't expect. 
catches me off guard or that I didn't see coming in on. Um, I, I thought it was pretty good. It reminded me uh, a bit of uh, back, way back when, when my brother Owen did the uh, double cross on Brett at Survivor Series in 92. And, uh, you know, it kind of, uh, you know, they had a decent little run after that, Brett and Owen with Owen doing the heel turn and all like that. So it was uh, kind of reminiscent of that, you know. Uh, so I, I thought it... Uh, I thought it set the table for some interesting dynamics in the next, you know, six, eight months leading up to maybe next year's WrestleMania or whatever. You know, there's some uh, some interesting pieces in place right now. You know, you got a like you got a guy like Roman Reigns. His uh, stock has risen quite a bit. You know, it looks like he might be the uh, the up and coming go to baby face, you know, for for the time being, you know, and um, and you know, I, I think one of the things I was most impressed with with tonight's card was, uh, you know, most of the finishes were in the middle, which is a refreshing change, you know. More often than not, you have all these swerve finishes and ref bumps and run-ins and all that other type of stuff, you know, and you almost get a little bit weary of it because it's been beaten to death or overdone uh, all too often, you know. But, uh, uh, yeah, as far as uh, I can recall, most of the finishes were in the middle, you know, and there was some pretty, uh, (coughs) it was kind of meaningful when a guy like Randy Orton drops a fall right in the middle or a guy like John Cena drops a fall right in the middle, you know, and uh so, you know, I uh I give them credit for uh you know at long last maybe having a a card of essentially finishes in the middle and uh, you know, uh they weren't too uh cute with some of the uh technical bullshit, you know, which is all too often one of the uh, things they seem to often, uh, you know, fall short of, but uh, I thought, you know, in general it was uh, by far one of the better uh, pay-per-views overall that I've seen in uh, a long time, you know, and I I didn't have any real, uh, I didn't have any real strong uh, negative criticism, you know, like there wasn't any one match that was a real stinker. There was no real, you know, kind of uh, lame, lame finishes or outcomes, you know. So I got everything like kind of like fell to me. Kind of everything kind of like fell into place, uh, pretty much. Now, one thing I want to talk about. We'll start right off at the beginning with Tom Ziggler in the Miz. One thing I like about the Miz's character is that he doesn't like to get hit in the face. And normally, that's back in the old days, a punch would consider to be a disqualification. You always have to use an open uh, fist, basically. So, you know, I kind of like the Miz's character in that way, where he's trying to avoid getting hit in the face, which normally would be like a knockout blow to anybody if it was in a real fight. So I kind of like the way they're doing that with the Miz. But I think Dolph Ziggler with his skill, you know, it brought me back to that old, my favorite match of all time, and... 91, your brother Brett and Mr. Perfect kind of feel, because uh, Ziggler's got that got that Mr. Perfect in him, uh, which I really love, but he's also got that baby face like a Bret Hart too, which makes him a great character. Uh, did you like that match? Yeah. I I, uh, I, I, uh, I agree with what you're saying on that match. I, uh, I thought it was... Uh, it's another thing I liked about the card. The pace was pretty good. You know, they got, the, you know, the opening first match, which was Dolph and Miz, you know, was, uh, it was a pretty brisk, uh, it got, it got it off to a good start, you know, and, uh, and, uh, you know, with Dolph getting his hand raised or winning the intercontinental strap in the middle, it kind of, you know, kind of got, got the thing off to a pretty uh, vibrant start and uh, kind of uh, seemed to set the tone, I thought, for, uh, and, you know, t- to the wrestlers' credit, they uh, 
they seemed to sustain it, you know, like the next match, which was Paige and uh, AJ. Uh, you know, it, uh, I was almost expecting some kind of, uh, you know, run-in or 18 Divas being in the ring at the end or uh, some such thing. But, uh, you know, you know, it actually uh, was one of the better Divas matches, especially title matches that I've uh seen in recent memory you know there wasn't too much uh of the cute stuff and the uh you know all too often the divas don't do much except the uh tits and ass and you know hip-hopping and doing all the other stuff but uh i thought they had a pretty uh decent matches as divas matches went you know and uh and it was kind of uh, refreshing to see, uh, you know, belt change hands in the middle. You know, uh, the only thing that I found kind of mildly annoying about that match is they kept talking about AJ was, uh, you know, women's held the belt for uh, a record. Uh, I don't know how many months or whatever, but I found it kind well, of amusing. They're definitely, obviously considering the Divas title, not the women's title, which obviously the Mula had the longest. They're obviously playing up the Divas title. Is She's the longest running for that. Yeah, it's it almost amusing because Mula, you know, I know that Mula qualified as a Diva or what, but, you know, she had the belt well, for like about I, I mean, four, four decades or something like that. Yeah, she's, but, she's uh, a women's champion, but not a Divas champion. I think they're, it's two different categories, and I don't know if there's really a comparison uh, really, between you know, those it might two, be apples and moldy oranges, or something like that. Sure, know, we'll go with uh, we'll go with moldy oranges as the divas. So I'm going to bring in my man Toth, who's always a great co-host here. Uh, Mr. Toth, how you doing, sir? Oh, hey, Will. Hey, Bruce. How you guys doing tonight? Oh, not bad. Uh, glad to hear you. What What are you? Uh, what's your perspectives? Uh, it was, today was cool. I was actually able to watch um, SummerSlam with my mom and my family. It was the first time they watched the uh, WWE Network. They really liked the whole 999 thing. I was able to watch it on my um, PS3 with no issues. And uh, we enjoyed the show. It was a lot more fun to watch it with uh, casual fans because, you know, they don't. Casual fans are not, like I guess you could say, jaded. So it's more critical. fun. Yeah, critical. Well, uh, yeah, they, totally. Yeah. I agree. I, it's kind of yeah. nice for. You don't have everyone talking in Carney or Smart Mark uh, perspectives, so yeah. yeah it, was, it was it was exciting for me as well because I haven't really been watching um, WWE on a regular basis. I mean, I keep aware of what's going on. So there was only about three, four matches on the card I knew about. So even as a critical fan, I was able to watch it mostly just you know from a regular standpoint. Overall, the show was pretty fine. Um, just solid. Uh, there wasn't really a match that I thought was like bleh. But there wasn't really a match that I thought was like, oh, that's really great. Just pretty much everything from top to bottom, majority of the card was, uh, you know, was pretty good. The only match that I thought that I was kind of confused at was the whole Rusev swagger thing because I thought that was going to be a legitimate right. flag match, but it was just a regular match with a winner. Yeah, I mean, but the, but the match they had was fine. And I like to say that Rusev is actually very good at selling. He sold that knee very well. I was very impressed by uh, his selling ability. And um, the main event, pretty much exactly what I thought it would be, which is Lesnar killing Cena, and any other result would have been dumb. So some people are saying that's boring. I don't think that's boring at all. I think that's just establishing Lesnar as a monster, which he is well, with the Undertaker streak. I agree with that. I agree with that, Tove, because one thing about that was there, the psych, I think it's more of a, psych, a psychology type of match where you know Lesnar was a real dominant in that ring. In fact, 90% of that match was Brock Lesnar. And I think that eventually if it's going to be hard. I think they're establishing the fact that it's going to be hard to get that belt off him. And whoever does becomes a bigger star uh, for that. Uh, but uh, let's say uh, before we get to that, we're going to talk about that. Bruce, what about your idea of the flag match? Now, obviously it wasn't a regular flag match in the corner. The winner just got to place their flag uh, up uh, and do their, their anthem. Uh, what were your thoughts of that one? I th- I think it. Uh, I think it could be all right. When I was watching it, you know, I, it was perhaps the weakest match on the card, but it was still 
all right, all things considered, you know, given what Rusev is and Swagger is and all the other, you know, was as good as can be expected. As I was watching it, quite honestly, I, I was telling my kids as we were watching it, in its own way, you know, uh, if if a guy like Hulk Hogan had been in there doing the uh, the American flag waving, you know, uh, I'm not sure that Hogan's, you know, got that much gas left in the tank, but uh, at the same time, that would have been, uh, you know, more inducement for all the patriotic uh, outpouring and all. Like, to me, the weakest part of, you know, that whole swagger thing is he, he to me he doesn't really epitomize uh any all-american hero or anything he's already sort of been like a lukewarm water downhill with uh zeb coulter and we the people and you know uh cesaro and all that so he hasn't really ever switched to me so you know for me he's sort of a lukewarm uh american hero you know he doesn't really in my estimation compel or captivate the people like I'm, I'm sure most of the fans are saying surely they could have come up with uh, a better all-american hero than jack swagger but uh that said you know uh it, it still well, was, it was uh you know it was still good was, i mean i think the crowd yeah. was really behind it i mean they were definitely feeling that a lot yeah and i think the uh i think uh rusev you know, he's as good as I've seen him, you know, and, you know, sold the, uh, the leg pretty good. And his, uh, his manager does a pretty good job. You know, she's, you know, uh, pretty, you know, gets pretty serious heat. She reminds me of one of those kind of bad bitches in the 007 movies, you know, something like that, you know, but, uh, but yeah, that, that, that match uh, was another one that I was a little bit apprehensive about, if only because, uh, you know, neither one of them's a great worker, and you know there was room for, you know, it could have been, uh, you know, a lot worse than it was. But, but overall, I thought even that match, you know, it expe- exceeded my expectations, and uh, you know, once again, there's just. A, you know, pretty much a, a finish in the middle. You know, Swagger, I guess, got choked out or, you know, passed well, out or submit. whatever. That's the thing. That's the whole idea behind that. He did not submit at all. He didn't tap out, which I think was even better that he didn't tap. Yeah, so it, it was like, a, you know, you know. thankfully there was no, uh, you know, cute stuff with maybe Zeb Coulter and the girl taking a bump or, you know, some... Something like that, you know, Nikolai Volkov coming out from the, the crowd or the Iron Sheik or something, you know. So, so yeah, it maybe was the weakest match on the card, but it still was not that bad, you know. It was uh, about as good as you could have expected given uh, the ingredients there, you know. So, But, yeah, I... I uh, I'm not sure where they're going with the Rusev thing and the Putin and all like that, you know, but, uh, you know, I, uh, well, be interesting to see. There's three rumors for Rusev. Um, the first one, and the one that I think a, a good majority don't want, is that ultimately uh, Rusev's going to be fair to Cena, that this undefeated streak of his is going to keep going basically until WrestleMania 31 and he'll fight Cena there, which I think is what most folks don't want to see. Uh, the second rumor that I'm hearing is that it's going to be Hulk Hogan, because Hogan keeps lobbying oh. for one more match. You know, and Hogan is a real American, so it makes sense, but Hogan's had so many back surgeries. Can he really realistically have a match oh. against Rusev? And the third match, and this is like a, a total, like, the chances of this happening are very, very small, but it's possible. This is like way out the bar park. Kurt Engel, his TNA contract is expiring soon. And he's pretty much made it clear he would like to return to WWE. You know, Kurt Angle, he's an Olympic gold medalist. You know, he represented America, won the Olympics with a broken freaking neck, the American hero, blah, blah, blah. So Kurt Angle could come back, you know, make a cameo at the Royal Rumble, start a feud with Rusev. So uh, basically at some point, Rusev's going to have a feud with somebody, probably Cena, if not Cena, Hogan, and far chance Angle. But it'll be one of those three, I guarantee you. Yeah, I could see some... uh... You know, I, I think the biggest concern I'm sure you guys 
would agree with either Hogan or Angle. It's just their their physical uh, capabilities. You know, I'm not sure if Kurt's you know able to do too much anymore. And same with Hulk. You know, uh, uh, but yeah, I I could see money in either Angle and Rusev or uh, Hogan and Rusev. You know, uh, for me, Rusev needs to step it up. You know, you know he's uh, for me at this point kind of like a, a half-assed cross between the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. You know, thus far he's been more of a, you know a character that you don't take seriously. At least I don't. You know, I haven't taken him that seriously yet, but. Uh, I don't know, given the uh, dynamics of the global politics right now with, uh, you know, the Ukrainian situation and the the Dutch airplane being shot out of the sky and all that other, you know, it's uh, things are maybe falling into place for Rusev, you know. I think initially, you know, I, I found it hard to, you know, fathom when they even originally, as you guys might recall, brought him in as a Bulgarian, and then they kind of, you know, uh, abruptly switched him after Rusev started, you know, kind of uh, doing his thing in Ukraine and all like that. But, uh, but, boy. Well, I mean, I think that was, I mean, they, they clearly are pushing the fact that he's Russian. They're trying to get far away from that whole thing, uh, you know, but, I think that the next match that we're going to talk about, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, to me, was the best match of the night, especially when it comes to an emotion standpoint, uh, action, uh, you know, as far as how it came up on television. I thought it was probably the best Lumberjack match I've ever seen, considering they went away from the Lumberjacks. And, uh, you know, Seth Seth Rollins did end up getting a victory with the interference of Kane and the Money in the Bank briefcase. Uh, Bruce... Uh, your thought on that match? I mean, you got two great workers, oh. and yeah, I thought they, I thought between them. Yeah, my my only uh, kind of uh, you know kind of criticism of it was I didn't I didn't perceive there was any need to have a lumberjack match in the first place. There was no real justification, I didn't think. But uh, um. Quite honest, I thought I thought they had a hell of a match, in spite of the lumberjacks. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. I, it was almost, you know, uh, it almost pissed me off when I saw Kane and all those guys having the big uh, whatever the hell schmoz near the end. Cause it almost took away from Rollins and Ambrose and then to run. Uh, to, Ambrose and Rollins credit, I think they salvaged it or they, uh, you know, uh, regained the, the heat at the end. I, I right. frankly could have done away with, I could have, uh, would have been better off without the Lumberjacks altogether. It was almost more of a, a distraction, you know, and it almost kind of reiterated to me which guys were on their way out. <laughs> you, you know, almost all the guys who were Lumberjacks are kind of guys who are like fallen angels, or guys who have uh, been reduced to jabroni status. You know, that was kind well, of... actually, you know, it's funny. They mentioned they mentioned on commentary that each one of those lumberjacks were eventually attacked by a member of the shield at some point. So they made a, a very weird uh, comment that every single person who was out there had some kind of a attack by the shield, and therefore they kind of made it to the point where. They were not. Uh, they were not actually like they had no, uh, you know, alliance. I would say to anybody. So I think they they made that point kind of pretty clear uh, on commentary. That's at least I heard that. Yeah, it was almost ironic. Yeah. To, you know, one of the things that I found ironic was, you know, the only point of having a lumberjack match supposedly is to uh, keep the wrestlers in the ring and. Uh, both three quarters of the match took place not not just around the ringside but way out in the crowd. So it's, it begged the obvious question, you know, why the hell did they need the lumberjacks if 
if uh, Rollins and Ambrose are going to be doing most of their fighting out in the crowd, which is what transpired anyway. So, but yeah. even, even that said, I thought I thought it was a good match, even though the Lumberjacks were almost kind of extraneous or, uh, you know, didn't even uh, serve whatever the ostensible supposed purpose was for them being out there, but. Uh, but beyond that, I think Rollins and Ambrose, uh, their intensity and their kind of, uh, you know, uh, work itself sustained it, uh, regardless of the, uh, you know, the pros and cons of the Lumberjacks. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Tope, what were your thoughts on that match? Uh, you're talking about the handicap match? Not the handicap match, the Lumberjack talking, match? Well, we didn't have... We didn't have a handicap match tonight, Tope. What, what pay-per-view were you watching? The Lumberjack match. Um, yeah, the Lumberjack match. I thought that uh, Rollins and Ambrose made the best out of a weird situation. The Lumberjack stipulation was a little weird. Going into it, the way I looked at it is, okay, every time Ambrose tries to fight Rollins, he runs away. So the Lumberjacks were there to keep him from running away which is the justification for this match. That's at least how I thought about it. I thought the match, for what it was worth, they did the best they could. Uh, it was definitely different. I've never seen two people actually leave the ring, feud in the crowd. The Lumberjacks actually have to go back and get them, put them back in the ring, have someone jump on all the Lumberjacks. It was definitely chaotic. Kind of reminded me of all those crazy Jackie Chan movies like in the early 90s. Um, it was definitely the most innovative Lumberjack match I've ever seen from any promotion. And I think they made the best out of a weird situation. But obviously, I can see why this match could be a turnoff to some fans because some fans, many fans out there, they just want to see Rollins and Ambrose just have a legitimate one-on-one match with no shenanigans or any bullshit. So that's what fans want to see. It's SummerSlam, biggest show of the summer. What better way or what better place to have a legitimate one-on-one match but obviously, WWE, they have plans on the table, and they're going to continue this feud. Uh, I thought the match, for what it was, it was definitely different. I won't say it was a good match, but it, it was different. I was entertained. It was, it was a good match. And uh, hopefully, if, if I was booking this, I would have this feud go into Hell in a Cell. Because it's been a very long time since Hell in a Cell has actually had a blood feud. And I think that these two could have a really cool Hell in a Cell match if they let it go that long. But overall, I thought this match was... It was it was different, but in a good way. I I thought it was cool, but I can understand why this could have turned off some fans. Yeah, it, it definitely could turn off a couple of fans. I, I totally agree. I have a, a four two three on the line. Four two three. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Four two three. You're on the air. Okay, just guys just listen in. Uh, we're going to go on to Bray Wyatt versus Chris Jericho. Uh, Bruce, uh, we talked about this match last month, and I personally was not really entertained on the idea of Chris Jericho and Bray Wyatt. I just felt like there was not a connection. Uh, definitely a 180 from last month. I feel like uh, this one was a lot better. Uh, it, was, it was definitely a better pace. Uh, uh, Bray Wyatt won that match without Eric Rowan and Luke, so he won clean uh, with two sister Abigails. Uh, just a fun match, and they brought down the countdown, which I thought was a, a great added little bonus because I love the Chris Jericho countdown. Uh, Bruce, your thought on that match? I thought it was all right. You know, it didn't. It didn't really. It was ever, last month. Yeah, better than the last match. I didn't really find it uh, really grabbed me, though. It was nothing that really uh, kind of like uh, sustained me. At the same time, I was, I was pleased that nothing else. He had a finish in the middle, and, uh, you know, I was almost expecting some contrived nonsense where the lights went out and the sheep had appeared and uh, Harper and Rowan were doing something. Or I was almost expecting something like that, but... Uh, Sort of, you know, pleasant change that you know was a finish in the middle, and I'm wondering if Jericho's going on vacation again now, or or whether he's well, according sticking to, uh, around. Or, least, yeah, I think September is when he's actually going to be leaving us again. 
So I think they're going to get one more match out of this feud, uh, which I think was a lot better. This feud started to kind of get me a little bit. It's still missing something, but you know what? The match itself, I felt like they worked really well. Uh, you know, I think there was, there's like, there is like, they're trying to establish that true heat in that feud. Uh, Tope, what's your opinion of it? This match was better than last month's match. Um, yes, I agree. Yeah, it wasn't great, but it was it was definitely better. I'm trying to piece together the elements of what made this match slightly better. Um, I'm, I can't maybe I have this something I have to sleep on, but um, you know it's definitely cool to see Bray come out by himself. That's cool. It was nice to see the Jericho Titantron again. That was cool. Um, one thing that WWE didn't mention uh, to those that don't know, to those listening, uh, Jericho has a podcast, and Bray Wyatt actually called on his podcast, so they actually promoted their feud on the podcast as live, a, which as, I thought... As a character? As a character? Yes, as a character. As a character. Jake, Chris Jericho, in the last episode, he, was, he did his live show, and someone called in, and Jericho was like, hmm, unknown area code, unknown person, who's this speaking? And it was actually Bray Wyatt calling... In character, so like oh. in character, yeah, in character, he was cutting a promo live on his own show. I thought that was definitely cool. I wish they would have acknowledged that on Raw or SmackDown, but oh, whatever. Oh, they should have. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's cool. Video, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just go, just go to uh, Talk Is Jericho. Just go to Google. Go to Talk Is Jericho. It's like the last episode he did, like at the very end, like the last five minutes. But the match was definitely it was better. Uh, the right guy went over. And um, I imagine they'll probably have a rubber match at Night of Champions, and uh, that'll probably be the end of it. And um, this makes Bray Wyatt 2-0 at SummerSlam, to those of you that, you know, keep up with streaks. So, you know, he's undefeated at SummerSlam yep. so far. So, 2-0. How long do you and think... Uh, how long do you think they're going to keep pushing Bray? I, I, I've been wondering. It seems like, uh, you know, I, unless something transpires that kind of re-inject something into that whole thing. I, I'm not sure if it seems to me the Wyatt, the whole Wyatt family and the, that whole thing's maybe stuck in neutral. It doesn't seem like it's really, uh, maybe it's run its course, sort of like, you know, uh, Wade Barrett and the, uh, NX, the Nexus and some of those things that, you know, seem like they, uh, they have a shelf life or whatever, but about even though Bray went over tonight, I'm not sure that there's nothing really seems like it's uh, you know got any great potential from what I've seen or what I can see right now with him. I'm not even sure if they're even keeping the Wyatt family together. It seems like there's uh, it seems like Harper and Rowan are kind of uh, you know uh, either detached from him or maybe uh, it seems like they're they're stock is kind of cloud, cloudy right now too so I don't even know I, what are you I, guys I don't think thinking? they're going to have plans to do that I don't think they're going to break that group apart anytime soon I think when, it, when Bray Wyatt went from Wrestlemania 30 and fought the biggest guy in the company as John Cena you can't get higher than that I don't know what else he could have done to get higher than that moment and I think that's why it makes it kind of tough for him to stand out again. But I think they got to, if anything, the strap to have the world heavyweight title around his waist or have a belt around his waist, I think it maybe help him out a little bit uh, with the belt. Toph, uh, do you think Bray Wyatt having a championship belt may help him out? I don't think Bray Wyatt needs a championship belt. He reminds me of guys like Jake the Snake, very interesting, mysterious characters, they really don't need titles to be over or be interesting. Uh, that's what I think about Jake the Snake and The Undertaker for the majority of his career. Because really, most of the time he had a title. He never had it very long anyway. Um, I think that Bray Wyatt is a victim of roster purging. What made Goldberg and Brock Lesnar so successful was Goldberg and Lesnar, when they were both going through their first initial runs, they were in a stacked roster full of talents for them to just work with. And, you know, it was just like there were so many people for him to work with. And Bray Wyatt, for him, so many of the most over-popular guys he worked with from the very beginning, you know, from his tag team feud with Punk and Brian, and then his, his feud with Brian himself, the match he had with the Shield, and then John Cena. 
So it's like, okay, well, he can't fight Punk because he's gone. He can't fight Brian because he's injured. He can't fight Cena because he already fought Cena. He can't fight Roman Reigns because they're pushing him, and Reigns is feuding with Randy Orton. He can't fight Ambrose because they're still building him up. So there's really, like, nowhere left for him to go. He's, he's basically fought everybody that he could fight that's on his level, and everybody else just isn't there. Um, I, don't, I don't blame Bray Wyatt for that. I, I don't blame WWE creative for that. I just think that's a lack of star power on the roster. And if the roster had more star power, if there was more legitimate stars, Bray Wyatt wouldn't feel like he's stuck in limbo like he is right now. But him beating Jericho was a step in the right direction, I believe. Well, he, Jericho's no, you know, he's a big star. So, I mean, he's all over the place, too. So, I think Chris Jericho is a great stepping stone for him to keep him in the light. Uh, and I think that's why they kind of brought Jericho in to help him do that. But now let's talk about something very interesting. And, and Bruce, we mentioned it before, uh, Stephanie McMahon versus Brie Bella uh, definitely overexceeded my expectations on the entire match. I like that Triple H didn't come down until afterwards. And then, of course, we had the betrayal, which I kind of saw coming with Nikki uh, betraying Brie. Uh, so we had a storyline going forward, but uh, I think Stephanie McMahon winning was the right person. Uh, Bruce? Your thoughts on the match itself and the idea of uh, the swerve that happened? It actually exceeded my expectations. You know, I uh, admittedly wasn't expecting a five-star, you know, Dynamite Kid and Bret Hart (laughs) match or anything like that. But uh, Stephanie actually, uh, I I figured she would, and uh, she played her role not bad and uh all things considered i i thought you know pretty decent uh match and uh the finish uh if any of the listeners didn't catch it it was kind of a you know uh unexpected turn where nikki bella came out and uh ended up turning on her sister and double crossing her and you know, it, it leaves some, I presume they might have a Bella uh, sisters feud, kind of like Brett and Owen had way back when. And uh, that might, uh, you know, you got a few pieces there. You know, you got, if you got that and you got the uh, AJ and Paige thing, which, you know, the Divas are in better shape than they've been for quite a, quite a while because for the last, Several years, the Divas have been just sort of little more than kind of eye candy, and uh, you know they have, the the work rate's been kind of marginal, hasn't been that good. But so I thought it was, uh, you know, overall a pretty decent uh, match. You know, and the finish was kind of uh, something that I didn't expect, which you know uh, added added to the uh, reaction, and uh, I, I give it a two thumbs up even though I, I you know doubted that I would before going into it I was, was expecting it to be some kind of a, you know an aberration or whatever but it actually uh, far exceeded my expectation hey we got a two thumbs up from Bruce Hart man so it couldn't be that bad so your thoughts uh, I thought the match was just okay nothing Special did, did did his job. It told his story. Uh, Nikki turned on Bree. We all saw that coming. At least I hope most of you saw it coming. If you didn't, whatever. And um, yeah, match was okay. It wasn't really anything spectacular. Just whatever. I'm I'm actually more curious to see how this affects John Cena. Because what's always confused me about Total Divas is they acknowledge the relationships of like every couple on Total Divas on on the show. But it's like John Cena's relationship with Nikki, for whatever reason, is just not mentioned. You see Daniel Bryan and Bree on Total Divas, and you see them on TV. You see the Usos and Naomi together. You see Tyson Kidd and Natalya together. But I've never seen John Cena with Nikki on TV, and that's always confused me. Why is it they don't acknowledge that on Total Divas? So maybe I'm just digging too deep, but since Nikki oh. Bella has turned heel, he's technically his girlfriend turned heel which is a, a big deal, really. You know, you, don't have, you, don't, you can't be a good guy and then date a bad guy. I mean, they did that with Dolph Ziggler and AJ. AJ turned, and then, you know, Ziggler, sooner he turned face after that. So I'm actually curious to see if this is going to affect John Cena at all. It when probably I first won't. Saw, 
when I first saw the match, I actually thought it maybe was a tip-off that Cena was turning heel against Brock, as uh, given Nikki and Cena's, I almost wondered if that was some kind of, uh, you know, uh, a hint that Cena was going to, but yeah, it, it does beg an obvious question, you know, what, you know, what, what Nikki's turn, how that affects uh, Cena, you know, if he's supposedly her fiance or boyfriend or whatever, you know, and now he's, uh, you know, partnering her and she's a, a double-crossing traitor bitch, you know, so I wonder if it will have any, um, I, I would have to think WWE must have taken into consideration, you know, Cena's parent relationship with Nikki and, you know, uh, you know, it, it makes you wonder what, uh, what effect it will have on Cena's, uh, persona now, whether he's going to stay face or whether he's going to be empathetic to Nikki or they're going to break up or, or whether it will even have any, you know, uh, influence whatsoever on Cena. If, if so, yeah, I've been wondering myself, you know, other than them uh, talking about the Cena and Nikki being a number, you know, he seems to I really be far hope more. They don't do that, though. I really hope they don't do that. I just don't think that that's necessary, uh, you know, for John Cena. I mean, John Cena is bigger than the company. I just don't know that's going to help further a feud along. I mean, it, it's it's kind of tough. I mean, I, I just don't. See yeah, them I wouldn't. Uh, the whole thing in. I'm sure that the somebody, if, if they didn't take it into consideration, you know, then something's wrong with that too. You know, like if if they're still flogging, and for me that shows lame bunch of crap anyway. The total divas, you know, total crap, but uh, um, nonetheless, you know, if Diva's, if Cena's supposed to be her her main squeeze or something, and now she's, uh, you know, double-crossed her sister and Daniel Bryan's wife and all like this, uh, you know, it, there's certainly some ingredients there for some, some kind of potential thing, you know, I'm not sure what Daniel's you know when he, if and when he's coming back, or but it 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 does kind of uh, you know set the table if they ever wanted it set for maybe Cena and and Daniel Bryan doing something down the road, or you know there's, there's another element of soap opera there with the two sisters and the sisters-in-law and the brothers-in-law and all that, you know. But I don't know if they even have thought of that or whether. You know, they uh, just did it uh, independently of uh, uh, Nikki and John's supposed uh, relationship. I don't know. Well, I, I don't think they have to go that route. I think it's better the way it just was. The girls are going to have to fight each other anyway uh, to go forward. But let's talk about Roman Reigns and Randy Orton. Uh, so that match, I really enjoyed that, too. They're just two good uh, class workers, Bruce. I thought they did a great job, and the right guy went over. Orton made him look like a million bucks, I thought. Uh, and I think both guys were great. I think it was just a solid, good wrestling match. Yeah, I give uh, kudos to Stephanie. You know, I, I not, uh, it wasn't uh, the greatest performance ever by a, a female, but it was, you know, uh, a hell of a lot better than I was expecting, you know. And she actually, uh, it was no real major embarrassments or, you know, glitches or whatever. So I, I, I was actually, uh, you know, overall, you know, favorably impressed with Stephanie's performance, you know. I, what about Roman Reigns? Uh, talking about Randy and uh, Roman now. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, yep. I thought that was a hell of a match. You know, it was for me, uh, possibly the best match on the card. You know, uh, it's pretty solid and hard hitting, and uh, had a lot of kind of ebb and flow in it. You know, uh, and Roman, uh, he got a pretty good uh, fire on his comebacks, which uh, you know was sort of the hallmark of any really good baby face, and uh, kind of nice pace and. Uh, you know, the finish was kind of a culmination of 
pretty good build-up of uh, action, you know. So I, I thought uh, Randy, uh, you know, certainly solidified his reputation as one of the uh, the great heels in the uh, modern era, you know. And, uh, to his credit, he he uh, did a hell of a job, got Roman over about as well as you could get him over, I thought, you know, and uh, should yeah. set the uh, table nicely for Roman to uh, maybe uh, take it to the next level. You know, I could even see uh, Roman Reigns and uh, Brock Lesnar being, if they uh, market it the right way, it could be a pretty uh, interesting, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if Cena's going to have a, a rematch or whatever, you know, I, I didn't get any great vibe one way or the other but uh given that Brock Brock's boat is over as you can get right now as a heel and Reigns seems to be pretty uh pretty much the top face in there right now I, I could certainly see uh some mileage out of uh you know building up to some big showdown with maybe Roman and uh and uh, Brock is uh, maybe WrestleMania or perhaps Survivor Series or some such thing. You know, it seems like the, those those are maybe two of the uh, most over guys in the company right now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so uh, let's talk about it. Roman Reigns and your man Randy Orton. What do you thought? Uh, this was the weakest match in the card for me. It wasn't very good. It was just very so placed. Um, it was just whatever. Um, Roman Reigns, uh, he's getting there. He's got he's got potential, you know. He's he's just he just needs some more grooming. I know a lot of fans well, like to give him I, crap. I'm very confused by that. That you thought that was the worst match on the card. I'm very. very I didn't say it was the that. worst match. I said this was the this was the most bland match for me. I wasn't very interested in. It was just very slow paced. Um, Randy Orton, he has a lot of good matches with people, but. For me, his styles just didn't really complement Roman very well. It was a lot of rest holes, a lot of just it was just slow. And this match didn't do anything for me. I was I was very bored, and the outcome was was obvious. I mean, they, they're going to push Roman, and he's had some good matches before because I've been to a few house shows and I've seen him have some really good singles matches. It's just I just I didn't particularly like this match with with Randy Orton, but you know he won, so it's whatever. They're clearly pushing him as their next guy, and that's all well and good. And, uh, you know, he's got potential, and he actually can wrestle. He, he doesn't have three moves like fans are attacking him for. Um, the biggest concern I have for Roman is that they need to be really careful with him overcoming the odds. Like him kicking out the RKO tonight, okay, that's cool, but he can't do that, like, on a consistent basis because if he does that, fans are going to start associating that Superman moniker with him which is basically how fans started to turn right. on Cena. So they got to be careful with that. You know, like I, I have nothing against him kicking out of a finisher every now and then, but if he does that like every match, I guarantee you fans will, you know, I mean, some fans are already turning on him, but uh, still a, a vast majority of fans are supporting him. And, and I like Roman Reigns. He's cool. Uh, I just didn't particularly care too much for this match. But, you know, the RKO thing was, was cool. So, you know. There were, there were some good matches, I think, in that moment. And uh, overall, I thought the match was great. I think it established Roman Reigns. Uh, before we keep going, uh, for any fans who are listening, if you haven't checked out our Facebook page, please check it out, facebook.com forward slash pro wrestling powerhouse. Uh, you know, uh, Tove, this is our uh, this is the show that started all. SummerSlam three years ago, me and Jay uh, started off uh, this entire show, and here we are together, Tove, uh, for three years total, man. It's been a pretty cool ride. I actually thought about that as well right before SummerSlam started, and I was like, this is a show where it started for you guys. And it's sort of cool because yeah. some of my favorite WWE matches have been at SummerSlam. So when I think about it, SummerSlam is just one of those things where it just has a lot of links that just brings a lot of things together and a lot of people together. So it was definitely cool, and I know that we'll be doing this again this time next year. Yeah, especially. But what's even better about next year, it's going to be in New York and New Jersey next year. It was announced, Bruce. You have to come to New York and New Jersey next year for SummerSlam. Yeah, I, I, I may well uh, take you up on that invite. Uh, tell me, is that is that like uh, in uh, two places? Uh, like I remember WWE used to 
do uh, WrestleMania in three places in one night or something. Yeah, well, how, think, how does that work? Is it half, half in Jersey and half in New York? I or, think uh, I think they're trying. The show most likely will be in New Jersey. They wouldn't have brought it off if it wasn't. So I think they're going to do New Jersey, and I wouldn't be surprised if they try to do MetLife Stadium, do that 68, like hit that sellout crowd again, uh, which would be amazing. But I think they're going to do the show in New Jersey, but they're combining New York and New Jersey together just to get a selling point. They did it for WrestleMania 29. I think they're doing it again. Uh, I'm excited because they've been in L.A. the last five years. And don't get me wrong, the L.A. crowds have been great over there, but SummerSlam has been kind of stuck there for five years. Now they're bringing it back to New York and New Jersey. And, of course, I couldn't be more ecstatic. See, me and Jay Leto are already going to be playing some major things for next year, and I cannot wait. But let's talk about the main event of the evening, Brock Lesnar. This is basically Rocky Three, and this is what Jay Leto brought up, which was totally true. It's Rocky Three, the very first match of Rocky Three, where it was just Brock Lesnar destroying John Cena. So that Superman moniker has just been completely dissipated, in my view, because he just got destroyed tonight, Bruce. Yeah, I, I thought that was a good analogy. You know, it's like the f- first match of Rocky Three, where Mr. T uh, destroyed uh, Rocky. You know, and uh, I, I'm wondering. You know, I haven't I haven't got any great insight. You guys may have better idea than I. What you know, what the uh, plan is now is whether you know Cena's gonna come back or whether they're gonna you know, push somebody else or whatever. That certainly could be an interesting uh, storyline where Cena, you know, they almost uh, mimic uh, Rocky Three, where Cena maybe finds some old uh, former adversary and does the uh, Apollo Creed and uh, take him back to the gym. And, uh, you know, he does the the big kind of, uh, you know, reevaluating of his life and kind of... Uh, goes back to his roots and, you know, and they build that up to next uh, spring for WrestleMania or, or whether, you know, I, I have no idea, but I could see that maybe being uh, an interesting uh, way to go, you know, and I even have, have it look like Cena is decimated by the uh, the loss and he's considering retiring and, you know, I would if Vicky hadn't done the switch, I would have had her doing the Yo Adrian, you know, Rocky, don't give up, you know. But she's like kind of the bitch, you know. So maybe she could uh, tell him to, yeah. uh, you know, uh, pack it in and get the hell out. Or I, I don't know where that goes, but uh, I, I, that could actually be kind of a compelling uh, storyline where seen as, you know, so heartbroken and kind of decimated by this uh, catastrophic ass-kicking that he absorbed at the hands of Brock Lesnar that he's going to retire and then uh, some something happens maybe at SummerSlam or one of Cena's buddies or his protégés gets annihilated or paralyzed or some such thing and then there's some kind of uh, motivation for Cena to... Uh, do the uh, flying high? Maybe I'd even have them out in the steps of the, you know, the building in Philly and running up the steps or some such thing. But uh, I don't know. I, uh, but uh, to John's credit, he, uh, you know, did the drop the fall in the middle chicken. and yeah, and he, uh, you know, it was kind of in its own way refreshing that there wasn't any swerve or ref bump or you know, kind of cute finish or whatever, you know, it was pretty uh, almost surprisingly uh, unequivocal, you know, it was uh, just like you said, uh, you know, uh, out-and-out ass-kicking, you know, and uh, much like, uh, it was a good analogy with uh, Apollo, I mean, uh, with Mr. T and uh, Rocky, you know, so. I mean, yeah, uh, it's it'd be pretty interesting much to see. Yeah, I'm interested uh, yeah, to see who they feed uh, Brock now that, you Brock. know, uh, it's, uh, I don't know which faces are kind of uh, ready for him or not. Oof. 
I don't know. That's a tough choice. Uh, Tove, uh, what were your thoughts on the match and uh, your overall everything, how everything went? I thought the match was cool. And anyone that says the match was boring just doesn't understand the story that's trying to be told. And I don't know what they were expecting. And this is the guy that beat The Undertaker's streak. So you're not going to have the guy that beat Taker just casually fight John Cena. He's going to destroy John Cena. And, you know, through the promos and everything Cena said leading up to the match, he basically said he knows what he's getting into and he's prepared for it. And, and Brock Lesnar said he was going to beat him up. So it was one of those... It was one of those matches where it's like, you know, the, the guy goes in knowing he's going to get his ass handed to him, and that's exactly what happened. You know, I thought it was cool for him to hit the F5 like 30 seconds into the match. Automatically, that lets you know, okay, this isn't going to be a wrestling match. This is going to be just absolute annihilation. You know, no steel chain to protect him this time, because that's basically how he won in Extreme Rules. And uh, I thought it was very realistic, just Cena just occasionally getting in offense while Lesnar's just destroying him you know, telling the ref to stop the match. You know, it was pretty much just a classic beatdown. And it's really the first time we've ever seen Cena just destroyed like that because all the other baby faces in the past, you know, guys like Hogan. Yeah, never, never, never. We've seen guys like Austin and Hogan and Rock and all those guys. All those guys at some point had that one opponent that just beat them. We've never really seen that with Cena. We've never truly seen Cena just dominated. That was really the first time. You know, so it was a huge wake-up call. I liked how when Cena lost, the camera actually zoomed in on some of those kids, and they were shocked. You know, it was like it's the first time they yeah. saw their hero, you know, lose like that. So it was cool. Yeah. Thanks, so for chiming in tonight. We really appreciate it. No problem. Uh, wow, what a show tonight. Uh, I give SummerSlam a pass. Uh yeah, Bruce, any final thoughts? We have three minutes left. Any final thoughts on uh, SummerSlam? Go, uh, overall, your opinion, do you think it was worth buying it if someone did buy it? Yeah, I, I give it a, you know, uh, a passing grade. I, I thought it was one of the, uh, as I said before, uh, you know, it, it was, it's pretty meaningful in that three major titles changed on uh, one card in the middle of the ring, too, I might add, not there was no uh, swerves or, you know, uh, run-ins or whatever the hell. So first time in my memory that I can recall the Intercontinental title, the Divas title, and the uh, World title switching on the same card, you know, and uh, all, all finishes in the middle. So um, that certainly and seems to represent Dolph Ziggler was the only face that won tonight. Everyone else that won was a heel tonight, too. Yeah. And I, I thought it was overall, you know, uh, definitely exceeded my expectations, you know. I'm Most times when you see one of those cards, are, you know, this, it leaves you with something that you're, uh, that they're aiming for in the next pay-per-view. But um, I honestly can't. You know, it's maybe one of the few that I can recall where I have no idea really, you know, they like say we're Brock Lesnar, who he's being groomed to fight next time or, uh, you know. It's almost like a reset button almost. Yeah, like Ziegler beat uh, Miz right in the middle. I didn't perceive there was any crying demand for a rematch for that. And even with AJ and Paige, you know, there was, and so, you know, that was kind of intriguing because most time when you're booking those types of a card, you usually have uh, something you're aiming for, you know, for the next pay-per-view. You get to see somebody get revenge or, you know, uh, whatever against somebody. But I don't really recall maybe a little bit with Ambrose and Rollins, but, you know, even that wasn't, you know, it didn't leave you really like a burning desire to see even so it was kind of intriguing in that respect you know there was no real uh, that I can recall no single match that really like wow I gotta see the rematch or I gotta see so and so get revenge on whoever next time or whatever so it was kind of interesting departure from conventional booking from that perspective you know uh, but I'm sure they'll uh reshuffle the deck and have some some maybe uh something hatching for the next pay per view. 
what is the next pay-per-view? Any that's in September, some kind of Night of Champions yeah. or some such thing? I think Night of Champions is going to be the next show, uh, but time has run out for this evening. Uh, so right now we're kind of in the overtime. Uh, but, uh, Bruce, we will see you or talk to you next week on the continuation of Heartbeat Radio. We appreciate you coming on tonight with your opinions uh, and another great night of wrestling. All right, thanks. So look forward to next time. Take care. All right, thank you very, thank you very okay. much, Bruce. Thank you to all the fans out there. Uh, make sure if you didn't catch this episode, you can go on iTunes. You can download every episode that we have, uh, dating back from three years ago. And it was three years ago that me and Jay Aleto started this show, and it was an amazing time. It's back when Triple H and Brock Lesnar had their main event match, and uh, here we are three years later, still going strong. Having Bruce Hart and all of our great interviews we've had. Thank you, everyone, for having a great evening. Uh, and we will see you next time for Night of Champions for the Pay-Per-View Recap Show. This is Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Radio here at BallTalkRadio.com.